0: Now, welcome back. Here we are again in the, the heat of the summertime. Summertime, and the living is easy. Here we are in Texas in the summertime, and I want to welcome you back to, as we continue the series, the stories of Jesus. And I hope you have been taking advantage of all the parables we've been teaching. They're available during the week in the group time, plus on the weekend of the gatherings, and I pray that you're taking advantage of the God time Scripture readings that we're posting, trying to build your life uh, that honors God, that we might connect, grow, serve, and share, and live all for Jesus. So let's talk about this parable, the parable of the wheat and tares. Now, one of the great deceptions of Satan is to create insecurity in you. He wants you to, to make you doubt that you really belong to God. He wants you to doubt God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's justice. We talked about this a bit. Now, he cannot control you, but he can influence you, okay? As a believer, he can't live in you, okay? It's impossible. Now, if you're not a believer, you can't be possessed, and that's a whole other thing, and I could give you somebody to call, you know, if you've got that issue. But anyway, he can influence you, and he does. I've never met a Christian, listen to me, I've never met a Christian who doesn't struggle with doubt at some level, I've never met a Christian who hasn't struggled with doubt at some level. Hmm. One of my spiritual mentors once said to me, Scott, the fact that you struggle with doubt is evidence that you really have believed. Why would you struggle with something that's with with, not even been made relevant in your life? Listen to me Satan doesn't harass a non believer, he doesn't, because he doesn't need to. But when Satan harasses you, it's a sign that you are a believer and even the doubting is evidence that you are believed and you do belong to God. Don't give in to the doubt. How can I doubt about a decision that was made by the wooing of God, initiated by God, done by God, and not my own volition? How can I doubt that? How can I doubt the marvelous grace of God that was instigated by him before time began, that was received by me when I prayed, Jesus, I'm yours? How can I doubt that? You see, it's not based on me, it's based on God. Now, any belief system that creates doubt and insecurity is not of God. Now, I grew up at a typical Southern Baptist church, okay? Every year, we would host a revival. Now, sometimes it'd be twice a year. A visiting preacher would always come, speak for a week or two. He would blow in, blow up, and blow out. So what he would do? Blow into town, Uh, blow up the church with his preaching, quote unquote biblical preaching and then blow out. I remember one time this guy came and he had everybody confessing their sins publicly that was a fun revival I was about 8 or 9 years old, I wasn't going to miss a service of that, because I wanted to hear what, you know, so and so was going to confess about so and so and so and so, it was amazing church was a train wreck afterwards, but anyway it was entertaining while it lasted I had a friend of mine that uh, every revival he'd get resaved and rebaptized. I think he got baptized eight times, and, and every time he did that, it would make me go, "Really? Wow! I'm a believer! I'm a believer!" And I'd have these conversations with my dad, and my dad would say, "This is funny." He said, "Son, don't let the craziness of other folks affect you." That's good advice. Don't let the craziness of other folks affect you. Pay attention. I think that's a good advice for anyone that's listening to this talk. Don't let the craziness of other folks affect you. Well, let's talk about doubting. Now, this is an interesting parable. This is a disturbing parable because really it talks about weeds and wheat. Who's real and who's not? Who's really a believer and who's a pretending believer? Now, this parable can be uh, considered a source of creating spiritually uh, uh, insecurity, Or it could be a source of a good self-assessment. Are you a pretender observer? Or are you a fruit-producing believer? And I think that's a good thing to talk about. Because you can know about Jesus and go to hell. Or you can live all for Jesus and experience his glory, not not only in this life, but the life to come. It's pretty dangerous. You could become churchified and not sanctified. You can speak churchianity and not Christianity. In the United States, it's very easy to do. In Canada, it's very easy to do. In Mexico, it's very easy to do. Costa Rica, Cuba, wherever, it's very easy to become churchified and not sanctified. So deal with this. Jesus is into security. Look at this verse. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my Father's hand. Who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch him out of my Father's hand. You can't even snatch yourself out of God's hand. That's John 10, 27 through 29. Let me read this. This is in Romans 10, 9 and 10, 9 through 11, verse 13. If you confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. One believes in the heart, resulting in righteousness. That's that heart transformation. And one confesses with his mouth, resulting in salvation. That's the acknowledgement of the heart change. Heart belief, mouth closes the loop. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All you have to do is ask. Do you remember asking? Then you're saved. Settled. Done. Oh. Now, with that said, it's always good to examine. An unexamined life is not worth living. This parable gives you an opportunity to take a good look at yourself in light of security that Jesus provides. And Jesus said this, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Today might be your opportunity to put doubt to rest, to rest assured in your relationship with Jesus. Or today could be a good weed-pulling day that you really come to Jesus and quit playing church. Whew. Jesus is into security, not to, not into doubt. Now let's listen to his story and see what he has to say. Father, again, we come to you thanking you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and the way your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Take that sword and do surgery on our hearts. Not my words, Father, yours, to lead these people to what you need, what they need from you today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now what did Jesus say? Let's look at the parable found in Matthew 13. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and left. When the plants sprouted to produce grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's servant came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in this field? Then where did the weeds come from? And the enemy did this, he told him. So do do you want us to go and pull them up? That's referring to the weeds, the servant asked. No, he said, when you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At the harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, and then tie them into bundles and to burn them, and collect the wheat into my barns. Oh, now this is an interesting parable. Obviously, this is about farmers planting wheat, not weeds. His planning uh, was to feed his family and to make a profit. He did this intentionally. He plants the field, and his enemy comes and sows seeds of discontent, of disunity, of weeds into the wheat. Now, this is analogous, and he said his enemies did this. Now, this is not only analogous, this was practical. This happened in the ancient world a lot. Someone want to extract vengeance would go sow bad seeds in a good guy's good wheat. And this was a diabolical practice. Now, Jesus, because Jesus was speaking to folks who were placing their hope in religion, this is a very pointed story. they were deceived into thinking that a relationship with God was about based on them being Jewish and about them keeping rules. Your ethnicity has no bearing on your spiritual condition. Oh, well, I'm a Texan. I must be a Christian. No, I'm American. I must be a Christian. No, or I'm a Canadian. Eh, I must be a Christian. No, or whatever ethnicity you might have. It has no bearing. See, God sees one race of people, and that's the human race, and your relationship with Jesus is based on your personal decision to accept him or to reject him. That's where it comes down to. Weeds and wheat, they look alike. When religion is your primary evidence of a changed life, everybody looks the same. Oh, when attendance is the mark of devotion, everybody looks the same. With singing the same songs, wearing the same dress, having the same ecclesiastical words and terminology, bless God, hallelujah, amen, brother, you all look the same. But see, that's not the evidence of life change. What is the evidence of life change? The evidence of life change is a changed heart where I'm more loving, more forgiving, more compassionate, more kind. We'll talk more about the fruit that God wants us to have. Satan loves to deceive you by thinking that you show up to a religious gathering, you're right with God. By God, if I can endure 30 minutes of that preacher, I must be going to heaven. Really? Huh. Maybe that's a sign of endurance and not transformation. This is ridiculous to think that showing up at a barn makes you a horse. But we make those same kind of thoughts. One theologian said this, Satan intentionally plants weeds in the church to cause strife. Huh. Well, that's not true, but it often seems true when people cause strife. They cause gossip and they create division based on their selfishness and their their preferences. And sometimes I want to go pulling weeds when I don't know the difference between weeds and wheat. Now look at this. He said when the reapers come, he's telling his workers when the reapers come, that was a whole other group of experts who were kind of coming to the field and know the difference between weeds and wheat. They'll deal with it. I don't know the difference between someone who's saved and not saved because it's none of my business, but I do know the condition of my heart, and that's my business, and that's God's business. Only God knows the difference between weeds and wheat. We don't. But the difference is bared out in fruit wheat produces fruit wheat that's ground made into bread nourishes your family Hmm. but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control the law is not against such things the only one who knows wheat and weeds weed from wheat is jesus believers are not to judge each other listen to this don't judge so you won't be judged you'll be judged the same standard by which you judge others but you'll be measured by the same measure you use Jesus said that in Luke 7 we'll be talking about that later in the summer wow so I have to look at my own life what fruit am I producing now the fruit of the spirit is singular it's not multiple it's like an orange with segments it's one fruit but I manifest all nine aspects of that what's going on with me now where are you in this story That's a big question to ask. Are you a wheat or are you a weed? Only you know the difference. So let me ask you some questions. Has there been a time in your life when you prayed and said, Jesus, I'm yours? Or you prayed, quote, unquote, the sinner's prayer, which is not in the Bible, by the way. It's a method used by evangelists. It's not a bad method. It's a good prayer. You know, Lord Jesus I ask that you forgive me of my sins. You come into my life and be my savior and I will live my life all for you. Maybe you've prayed that prayer or something like it. Maybe you don't even have to pray the formality of that. I remember a guy fussing at me, he said, Pastor, when you lead people to pray, you don't ask them to repent of their sins. Well, you know what? Coming to Jesus means metanome, changing your mind, which means repenting of your sins. Maybe that's all-inclusive. Probably. Sometimes we let our legalism drive our conversation and not the adequacy of of theology. Just saying. Can you remember when you became a wheat? Uh, take a deep, deeper look at your heart. has there been a time? I remember a time of really, really struggling, and the Lord took me back to when I was seven years old, sitting on my father's lap with my pastor present and praying and asked Jesus in my heart. My dad, I remember what my dad smelled like. He smelled like Old Spice and cigarettes. Because everybody wore Old Spice or High Karate or Barut during the day. And uh, he smoked because, you know, the government gave him cigarettes in World War II. So he fought that addiction until his late 50s. Wow. And I remembered. I have a doubted it since. I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I've committed uh, to him against that day. Do you know? Delive it. If you don't, nail it down. I'm going to help you in a minute. It's an important question. Are you becoming more like Jesus in character? Huh. Are you more loving, more patient, more kind, more gentle, more joyful? Are you? Oh, man. I hold up that mirror of looking at the fruit in my life, and I realize i got a long ways to go to become more like Jesus. But dead gummit, he who began the good work in me is faithful to complete it, and I'm trusting him to do it, and he's doing it. Wow. What area in my life really should be different? What needs to happen in my heart and in my life that changes me? What do I need to surrender? What do I need to confess? What forgiveness do I need to extend? Are you a real Christian? Are you a cultural Christian? I got a good friend of mine who lives in Alabama. We often have this conversation. And he'll say somebody's name, he'll say, Yeah, they're a real Christian. Yeah, they're a real Christian. How does he know that? Two ways. They've heard, he has heard them say, I belong to Jesus, and he's watched them live all for Jesus. He has heard them say, and he's watched them live. Heard them say, watch them live. It's a tough message. So many have read so much of this count over the ages. Because Jesus is insecurity and not insecurity, maybe today's the day to nail down this with you. To say, okay, I'm going to commit myself to Jesus. Maybe it's time to put your spiritual insecurity to rest and be confident in your relationship with Jesus. Take your next step. It's time to ask Jesus into your heart, then do it. If it's time to recommit to Jesus, then do it. If it's time to go deeper with Jesus, then do it. It's time to be baptized, then do it. If it's time to be a member, then step into me- to membership. Step with us in spiritual growth. Step up and serve. Step out and share. Just do it. Do today what needs doing. And when you take that next step, settle it. Now listen, I want to say this to you. So many of you, every week, you pray with me jesus i'm yours and you feel like man i ought to pray that every week because i'm not secure i want to tell you something if you prayed it once stop praying it because you've already received jesus change the attitude of jesus i'm yours to a reminder not a request once for salvation over and over the rest of your life for remembrance that you've been saved for once you've been saved you're always saved oh then I can live in security. So if you've never trusted Jesus, then I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now this prayer. I'm going to keep my eyes open. I'm going to look at you. Pray this prayer right now Jesus, I'm yours. I give my life to you. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I'm going to live all for you. If you prayed that, welcome to the family of God. Settled. Done. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Done. Period. Done. Quit doubting it. If you've already done that, you remember when you did it, don't ever pray it again because it's already done. Live in it. Live in it. Become more joyful and loving and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful. and All those things. Forgiving. Do all those things. Self-control. Be those things. Be what God wants you to be. Take your next step. All for Jesus.